Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Today's collection of stories is an eclectic bunch. If you've had a strange experience where you've thought, nah, that doesn't feel like a story that will spook anyone. Surely it's all in my head. Well, maybe this is exactly the episode for you. Isolated incidents? Maybe. Coincidences once you hear all the context for them? Yeah, I think not. Okay, ready to get spooked? Jan Jan 1977 opens today's episode with a story about an unpleasant entity. Oh boy. Twenty years ago, my now ex-husband Bob and I had moved in with my sister, Sandy, and her wife, Allison. My sister and her wife had recently purchased a house, and Bob and I were trying to save money for our own place, since I'd recently found out that we were expecting our first baby. Right off the bat, all of us women in the house felt that the building was active, but nothing too alarming. One night, the four of us were in the backyard playing pool. It was early evening, just after sunset, and we had a clear view next door to where our neighbor was having their own backyard party. There were a few people outside smoking and drinking, but Allison and I started looking at one woman in particular who was standing facing us. No one was talking to her and she wasn't holding a drink. She seemed like she didn't belong there. We really couldn't make her out in detail since the backyard wasn't lit very well. But Nonetheless, we knew it was a woman, and we knew she was facing our direction. The thing was, my sister and Bob couldn't see her. Allison and I kept pointing directly at her, asking if they could see her, but they insisted they couldn't, even though there was no one around or anything that would block their view. The whole time, this woman just stood there, motionless, observing. A little spooked at this point, we all went inside, Later on that night, Bob and I were in bed and we decided to pop in a movie. I love anything paranormal and I love scary movies, but for some reason that night, I just couldn't watch that movie. It was disturbing me in a way it never had before. I don't know why, but something about that movie just made me feel uneasy. I kept saying to Bob, why is the place in this movie called Point Pleasant? There's nothing pleasant about it. Whatever was bothering me, I chalked it up to pregnancy hormones and asked Bob to turn the movie off. Around 2 a.m., we went back to bed. Not long after, I started feeling cramps. I got scared thinking something might be wrong with the baby, so I called my OBGYN. Now, you need to remember, this was on a landline, no cell phones, and when I called my OBGYN, there was no ringtone, just a busy signal. I hung up and called again. This time, the answering service picked up. They gave me some advice and I settled down. The cramps slowly started going away. I began to shut my eyes when a strange glow in the room caught my attention. It was a weird, green glow coming from the foot of the bed. Well, I've seen enough scary movies to know what not to do. I wasn't going to just sit there. I woke up Bob, asking him if he could see the green glow as well 
and he could. The glow steadily became more intense. It made the entire side of the room glow. Bob and I both shouted so loudly that my sister and Allison ran into our room, armed with their martial arts sticks, thinking we were under attack. By that time, the green glow had vanished. I think this is the point where I need to mention that our room faced the neighbor's backyard. I think the lady from the party had something to do with the green glow. Needless to say, we slept in the living room that night. Fast forward a month later, my sister's phone bill came in, and Allison read it over aloud, confused. Who in the world called Point Pleasant at 2am a month ago? I was in shock to hear that name, and snatched the paper from her. When I looked at the number, it was the number for my OBGYN, but off by a single digit. Instead of a 4, I dialed a 5. I'd called Point Pleasant by accident. What are the chances? I was so shaken by the whole experience. The incidents in that house continued. We'd hear a little kid calling for their mom or giggling, for example. We didn't stay long in my sister's house. She ended up selling it eventually. We still talk about that night. My son is now 19, and I still tell him the spooky story I had while I was pregnant with him. Turns out, he's had experiences that can't be explained himself. My daughter has two. I guess it's hereditary. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. It's super creepy that you somehow called the city of the movie that was freaking you out just moments before. I'm super curious about the woman in your neighbor's yard and if she was somehow trying to come into your room that night like you suspected. Have you thought that the cramping may have been your son reacting to the presence as well? It would make some sense after you mentioned that he also experiences things that he can't explain. I don't know, so hopefully somebody out there may have some answers for us. Our second story is told by CreepyTotal8241, who played a very dangerous game. When I was in high school, my friends and I were into spooky things that we really had no business messing around with. We would visit cemeteries at night and go to our small town's local haunt spots to try and stir up any urban legends. The story I'm about to tell made us quit, cold turkey from trying to seek out anything paranormal. One night, we were over at our friend's century-old home. It was a creaky old house, a perfect setting for a night of Ouija. We brought out the board, and for the first half hour or so, nothing particularly strange happened. Some basic movement from the planchette, but nothing wild. Eventually, feeling smug, I asked the spirits what my middle name was. Since my parents made up my middle name, it's not even close to being a real name. I was confident that this would knock out any suspicion that anything genuine was happening. No one in the circle knew my middle name, never mind would have been able to spell it. There was literally no way someone could even make a vague guess at what it was. But the board knew. It spelled my middle name perfectly, and I could feel my heart fall into my gut. Keep in mind, my hands were not on the planchette at this point, 
so I couldn't have moved it myself, even subconsciously. Everyone laughed because what a silly middle name that would be. But I had to confess that it was mine and the color drained from everyone's face. Suddenly, a glass ashtray that was sitting a few feet away on the coffee table split, clean in two. We were done. We left the house to go stay somewhere else and fortunately, I have never experienced anything that terrifying again. Oh guys, come on now. How long have we been doing this? We know Ouija boards lead to nothing good. In fact, you know what? If you want to prove me wrong and you have a positive Ouija board story, please submit it so we can maybe dispel the negative connotation that comes with Ouija boards, at least on this show. So listen, if that wasn't a threat, I don't know what it was. And I hope that you guys quickly and soundly closed out that session and sashayed on out of that situation. Our next story comes from BMA Core, who seems to be having a strange bond with an entity lingering around their apartment building. You guys know you're never supposed to befriend ghosts. I moved into my apartment approximately nine years ago. Shortly after I moved in, I had fallen asleep in front of the TV one night. When I woke up and moved to stand up, I stepped into a thick puddle of liquid that hadn't been there when I fell asleep. The puddle was fairly large, probably 30 centimeters in diameter, and there was no obvious explanation as to where it had come from. I lived alone, so there wasn't anyone who could have spilled anything. There were no air ducts, underlying pipework, or any liquids of my own that I'd had nearby that could have fallen over. The liquid was thick and viscous, nothing like water, and smelled like coconuts, almost like a shampoo. I cleaned it up and called my parents to see if there could be an explanation. They merely suggested to monitor the situation, but that it could have been a leak that began elsewhere and moved to that spot. I never experienced anything like it again, but the incident was strange enough that I went searching for answers. At first, my online searches led to normal, expected answers. Eventually, however, it led me to discussions about poltergeist. I tried to rationalize the event and discount it to myself. I told myself that there usually had to be some sort of trauma in a space to account for a poltergeist. So unless something had happened on the property, it was a theory I could easily dismiss. I can't say I was a true skeptic, but I'm someone who would rather not poke around and find things that I'd rather not have found. Unfortunately, my research came up with exactly that. I discovered that my building had once been a factory which had been converted into loft apartments in the early 2000s. In 1988, in what had been the parking lot of the factory, the owner was brutally murdered and as of today, the case remains unsolved. A police officer was quoted in the news stating, they knew who'd done it, but there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute. And so, their suspect was walking free. When I discovered this, it made me think, maybe I did have a poltergeist after all. Maybe the strange liquid had something to do with this murdered soul trying to get some acknowledgement from a world that had failed to get them justice. 
I haven't had any other physical experiences like that one, but lately I am starting to sense that I've been getting other experiences. For the past year, whenever I work in my home office next to the window, I've had a recurring feeling of what it would be like to be shot. I have the strangest, unexplainable sensation of a gun being held to my head, as if in a dream, even though I'm wide awake. It's like my mind drifts towards it without my knowledge or consent. It's hard to explain. It's like a memory of a car coming back and I can feel my head rock back violently. It's been a recurring kind of memory or irrational fear that comes and goes at random, but it's been happening for nearly over a year now and only ever when it's dark outside. I've also developed these strange stomach aches, which only ever appear at certain times of the morning and only last for about half an hour or so. Further research into this unsolved murder led me to finding out that this had been an organized mob hit with a getaway car and that there were three suspects who shot the victim, once in the head and twice in the stomach. The murder itself took place at the same time of day when I constantly find myself having stomach aches. I think this might be the spirit of the person trying to communicate how they felt when they were murdered. I can't think of any other explanation for everything that's so closely linked to the murder story. I just wish there was something I could do to put them at ease. Okay, so this is one of those stories where the more details you get, the more it all seems to fall into place and make sense. One or two isolated incidents would be one thing, but all of them together, it's a lot harder to explain away. Maybe next time when you feel that sensation coming on, that you express out loud that it's okay to move on, that they no longer have to experience that pain, that fear, of their life ending and maybe saying it out loud. You know, we, we sometimes believe that energy can be stuck in one place and they're kind of left repeating the same experience over and over again. So maybe you can break that loop by saying it out loud. I don't know, just a suggestion. Our next story is short and sweet, just like me, but guaranteed to chill. Short Row 9266 has a story of a birthday party aftermath that was anything but happy. My daughter's birthday party was a few days ago. I had three helium balloons left over and they were cute, so I left them in the living room. The balloons were losing their helium but still clinging valiantly to the ceiling when I went to bed. It was chilly, so I'd left the heat on, but the vents were blowing the balloons away from the doorways, so I figured it would be okay to leave them there. Last night, around 4 a.m., I woke up to find two of the three balloons next to my head on the pillow. For context, our condo is 1,800 square feet, 
in order for the balloons to have made it into my room and next to me on my pillow, they would have had to make three 90-degree turns at least, along with three other turns as well as make it up the staircase. I've tried to come up with any explanation for why this could have happened, in an attempt to calm my nerves, but I just can't and I'm completely shaken by this. I've popped all the balloons. Okay, so real talk, I would have popped the balloons too and just been like, sorry demons, not today. Our next story is from Caden J. Peters with a story of an isolated mountain home and a mysterious sound going bump in the night. I live on a farm near a mountain in the middle of rural British Columbia. There's no cell service, my neighbors are far beyond shouting distance, and we very much live a you're-on-your-own lifestyle out here. My trailer is at the top of the property next to a barn, completely surrounded by forest except for the little road that leads to the farm. The mountain itself, Mount Ida, has a long history with the indigenous peoples of the area. I've been told stories about this mountain since I was a kid, and nearly all of them boil down to people are banished from the mountain because the spirits make it too dangerous. This mountain has a long history of strange and unexplained phenomena, and now I have my own story to add to it. Last night at around 10.45 p.m., I heard three sets of sirens rushing by on the road. I have to stress again what a deserted area this is. You never hear sirens out here. In fact, in nearly 15 years of being here, I'd never heard a siren before that point. Needless to say, I was intrigued. I later found out that there had been a car accident nearby, where a vehicle had smashed into a telephone pole. Half an hour later, the power cut out. I was already in bed at this point. I only noticed the power cut because my Wi-Fi had gone out. Now, that's always a hard stopper because out here, no Wi-Fi means being entirely cut off from the rest of the world. It makes me anxious to think about, especially since I wouldn't be able to call the fire department in an emergency if I needed them. Then suddenly, I heard a sharp, loud cry, like a kid who just crashed their bike. It was like hysterical crying from what sounded like a very young child. My dogs were going absolutely nuts at the door. Now, if you're familiar with wildlife, cougars and mountain lions in particular, you know that they can often mimic the sound of a child crying. It's almost scary how accurate it can sound sometimes. So laying there as this tension built, I told myself it was just a cougar. That's all it was, just a cougar. Surely it was just a cougar. Eventually, my dogs calmed down. I was trying to drift back off to sleep when I heard a second sound. This time, it was an ungodly noise, something that I've never heard before in my entire life. It sounded like a mix of every horror movie monster rolled into one. I can't even begin to describe it. It was about five seconds of pure blood-curdling screeching, like a demonic banshee with the vocal cords of a T-Rex. The bass of it reverberated so badly that it shook my bed, 
as if there was a Concert 6 system hiding in the forest and blasting zombie vomit. I could taste my heartbeat at this point. My dogs were acting wild, snarling and growling at whatever had just screamed on the other side of the door. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't call or get in contact with anyone. The power was still off, so I was just laying there in the pitch-black darkness, utterly terrified, unable to move. I wasn't about to get up and investigate either. Besides being terrifying, it's the middle of winter, which is a dangerous thing to attempt in the dark like that. So instead, I just lay there, checking my phone every 30 seconds, trying to will the Wi-Fi to come back. Eventually, exhausted and scared, I ended up finally falling asleep. As of this morning, everything is back to normal. The power's back on and nothing creepy is happening. I made a post in the local Facebook group asking if anyone nearby had heard anything, and the only response I got was that a few other people had also lost power. Take from that what you will. I ended up searching around my property looking for tracks in the snow, but I didn't find anything of interest. If I'm being honest, I didn't search very far. What had happened had spooked me too badly to want to venture out into the woods alone. So what was it? A cougar in heat? Bigfoot coming out of hibernation? Thousand-year-old ghost trying to get me off his land? Secret government lab experimenting in the middle of the night where they think no one can hear? I'm not a very paranormal-oriented guy, but after that, I'll pretty much believe anything. Okie dokie, so it sounds like you've tried to come up with as many explanations as possible, from the fantastic to the factual. But if someone like you, who's used to living out in the woods like that, doesn't know what the sound is, I'm a little more inclined to believe there's something beyond a rational explanation for it. And also kudos for the description on that monster voice. Myself and Mag, our writer, absolutely loved it. Also, I'm very glad your doors were locked. I would have barricaded my door and would have, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. Glad you're okay, though. Our next story is from Liz in Oklahoma with a strange experience during the solar eclipse. Back in 2017, during the solar eclipse, it was kind of a celebration day in the US. The eclipse was set to happen midday where I was, so my coworkers and I were encouraged to step outside when the eclipse started so we could see it. When the time came, I went out and saw the eclipse with everyone. Afterwards, I went back inside, intending to go back to work when something drew me back outside a second time. There were still a few people standing around at this point. When I looked again, I sensed it. I felt like there was a powerful entity up there traveling with the eclipse. There was nothing visual to back up the feeling, just an extremely strong, powerful sensation. In my mind's eye, I sensed that this spirit was traveling alongside the eclipse, taking notes of all the abuses that people have inflicted upon each other. More than anything, I felt the sensation of revenge. This spirit was going to take its revenge out on people for every terrible thing they'd done, and working very fast, like it was looking down on the population in large swaths. I guess it felt me looking at it, because it saw me too. 
more than anything, this experience has left me irritated. I'm not a spiritual person and I feel like someone spiritual should have been the one to experience this. I suppose we're barely a blip on the radar to something as powerful as this, but it would have been nice for someone else to have noticed. I'd be curious to hear from someone who considers themselves to be the spiritual type that you're wishing for here. Would they have felt the same sensation? Have they had a different experience? If there's anyone else out there who would like to chip in, I'd love to hear it. Our final story today comes on a wholesome note. The Sidewalk Bitch comes to us with a story of a visiting ghost of an extremely friendly type. Last year, my cat of 15 years passed away peacefully from natural causes. Recently, I got two new cats, a bonded pair of siblings from a local shelter. They're lovely. One looks a little similar to my previous cat, same shape and gray coloring. They love exploring and hiding, so I put out lots of boxes and blankets for them to hang out in. On the second day, I had them at home. They were exploring my bedroom and I came in to check on them. I saw a little pair of gray paws sticking out of a box and figured that the one who looks like my previous cat was in there and the other could be under the bed. I looked under the bed and, lo and behold, both of my new cats were looking at me from under there. I looked back in the box where I had seen the paws. Very clearly, I seriously thought there was a physical cat in there. But they were gone. I'd like to think it was my previous cat visiting to meet my new cats and telling me he approves. Okay, that's such a sweet story. I think everybody here on the show has a cat in their life that they love. You may have seen my cat Rocky, who I rescued recently, and he is adorable and a gray little blue Russian cat, even though he's gray. I don't get the name, whatever. Anyways, I think your cat would approve of your new babies too, and I'm glad you had such a lovely sign letting you know. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me, hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, where I'm now sharing some of my favorite stories from previous episodes, so be sure to follow me there, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Jesse Hawk. Writing assistance by Meg Williams. The official composer and audio smith for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>